You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We're actually having a brand new series right now. This is just two-part series that we call Burn Brighter. So this is something that is so close to our hearts as a ministry, as a church. We are all for the campus. In fact, we are a campus church. Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 15 says here, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what? The Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again, and it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Now as he said, these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, whilst Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day. 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiria Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land has rest from war. So now, if we're going to read the book of Joshua, this is actually narratives of victory, right? And I hope and pray that as we talk about these things, preaching, we're also going to be inspired to do the things that God has called us to do. Joshua has been the man who led the Israelites after Moses, which is actually, if you think about it, it's a big shoes to fill. How many of you here have tried that, following a person who is actually so great, the pressure is real. And if you're going to remember, Moses was the one who brought Israel out of Egypt. He's the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who led them in the wilderness, the one, the first ever to download from the cloud the Ten Commandments to a tablet. So he brought the Ten Commandments to God's people. And now comes Joshua following Moses. It's actually a great pressure. But the good thing about it is that Joshua was not alone. In fact, what we're going to talk about today is not about Joshua, but about his crazy friend, Caleb. Crazy, to say the least. And if there's one thing ought to emulate the life of Caleb, is this. When we read the verses kanina, three times it has been referred to how he wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed the Lord. Verses 8, verses 9, verses 14. He wholly followed the God of Israel. Now, this is not a casual thing. 
When you say that to wholly follow, means to follow this one person and this one person alone. It's not as if na today I'm going to follow you for the rest of the day, siguro I'm going to follow other people. But it says that wholly, every fiber of his being is following the Lord. It was a full commitment that whatever came, magalisod or in abundance or in lack, I'm going to follow the Lord. This is what Caleb did, my friends. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. In fact, this was so inspiring. This part of scripture right here is so inspiring. This is the inspiration for the first campus ministry name that we had as a church. Victory is going to turn 40 years next year. Amazing. 40 years. The same age as Caleb almost. But the first name was called Youth on Fire. Youth on Fire. In fact, after Youth on Fire, it was also called Every Nation Campus Ministries. How about Lifebox? Come on, Lifebox people in the house. So, okay, I was reached out during the Lifebox generation. And of course, what we have right now is Every Nation Campus. It all came from the name of that one man named Caleb. The name Caleb simply means faithful Wholehearted, bold in, or brave, or other scholars say na it's a devotion to God. Caleb has fully committed his life to the Lord. Again, he quoted this several times in scripture and he hold on to his whole life. And Caleb quoted as if na he was entitled for this, but in faith, he hold on to these promises and this has become kumbaga, the very thing that has led his life. Caleb at this point is 85 years old. But let's back up for a bit to see the full story. The story is in Numbers 13. And I want to encourage you guys to read it on your own. We're not going to read through it. But I'm going to give you a summary of what happened. So the story is in Numbers 13 and 14. So the people was in the wilderness and they're about to enter the promised land. That's the scenario. So Moses sent the spies, 12 men, spies, espia. Moses sent forth 12 spies to go into the land to check on the people there. They're going to check if ang promised land, unsa ang status of the land, unsa ang klase yung mga people who's actually living there. And if unsay klase ang ilang economic status, ang ilang agriculture, so they're supposed to do a recon of the place. Of course, if you're going to Go somewhere, the vacation. Before you go there, you're going to check places to visit, places to stay. Of course. Because we want to have a smooth experience when we go there. But you want to plan it out first. And that's exactly why Moses sent forth the spies. Now, so the spies went to Negev, then to Hebron and found the descendants of Anak. Mga anak ni Anak, o yung mga kaanakan. So, the descendants of Anak, actually, if you're going to read scripture, they were like giants, right? Like mga yaumings of that time, or even taller. Imagine that. Kita, imagine that we as a people, then we sent forth spies, and ilang ko, our enemy are actually giants. Twice our size. And, Ang napalay special request si Moses during the time, if you're going to spy out the land, you know what? 
season karon sa grapes. Get one bundle of grapes to see unsa nga type of land ang naa nila. And you know what? When the spies actually went there, it is said that they got one bundle and they needed to put it on a pole for two people to carry it. Kaya magani nga, anao lang ni mo on one hand, right? But for one bundle of grapes to be carried into a pole for two people to carry it, unsa man di ka dako ang grapes? Wala siya, mas dako pa siguro watermelon. Imagine a bundle of grapes nga. Usa lang ka grapes, mabusog na ka. Digani siguro ka kaharot. Right? And that's the kind of land, the promised land that they are about to enter to. 40 days have passed. The spies went back. Reporting time. Panel of judges, sila Moses and Aaron. Here comes the 10 spies. You know what? Aaron, Moses, the rest of the people. You know what? This is the fruit that we had. It's so abundant. The land is flowing with milk and honey. But there's giants. It's a big city, but it's fortified. There's Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Canaanites, left and right. The land is so good, but the enemies are giants and there's a lot of them. This is so good, but it's not for us. Oh, have you ever felt that? But the point is, the promised land is so filled with great things. But the ten spies out of the twelve were so afraid because the ones who were taking care of the land were actually giants. But Caleb comes in. When the, all the ten spies said, Okay, let's go home. Pack up. We cannot do this. Caleb says, Yes, that's right. Let's go. Let's go conquer the land. Let's go up and occupy the land. We will overcome it. The ten spies says, We cannot. They are stronger. They have giants. And in their eyes, we're just like grasshoppers. Imagine grasshoppers. Even if bata, grasshopper, gumayayo, right? That's how they looked at themselves. Grasshoppers compared to the enemies. But it's just a matter of perspective. Remember what? It's called the promised land. It's not as if God didn't give a word. God said, I'm going to give this land to you. That's why it's promised. So in Isaiah 14, if you're going to read there, it's just a matter of perspective. The ten spies see it this way, but Caleb says, no, this is how we're going to look at it. Isaiah 40 verses 21-22 says, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants, the Canaanites, are like grasshoppers. In the eyes of the ten spies, they are like grasshoppers. But in the eyes of Caleb, in the eyes of the Lord, those giants are mere grasshoppers. It's just a matter of perspective. Do we look at it in the eyes of a doubting spy? Or do we look at it in the perspective of the Lord? Something that is already promised to us. Numbers 14 says, If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. Crazy. I told you 
Caleb is crazy. This is how crazy the Joshua-Caleb duo, this is how they look at the enemies. For they are bread for us. They are bread for us. You see us as grasshoppers, they are bread to us. Di man lang manok, di man lang chicken. They are bread to us. Pandesal, breakfast. For the rest, they see giants as impossibilities. For champions, they see giants as breakfast. To the faithful ones, we are actually called and destined for giants. Again, it is a promised land. That's exactly what faith is all about. They were sure. Caleb and Joshua, these two spies right here, were so confident because they have said that the Lord is the one who's going to conquer it for them. It's not as if they're going to rely on their own strength. But it's the Lord who promised this thing. The thing is, in life, challenges are sure. It's not even a question if it will come or not. But the question is, when? But as great as we are, sometimes the problem is we look at our relationship with the Lord as means to a better life. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give so that my dreams would come true. So that business will boom. So that healing is sure. Prosperity is just a matter of time because I am here in church. But friends, what happens when the businesses fail? Remember the pandemic? When pandemic came, when instead of healing, we got sick and we have lost a loved one. What happens then? Do we still say that the Lord is faithful? Or do we begin to doubt the goodness of the Lord? In all prayers, nagpray na tagmayo, nagtaith tagmayo, we have given... God didn't allow things to happen. Challenges would eventually reveal our hearts. Imagine a life, a Christianity, wherein everything is perfect. Would you even still believe and need God if things in your life were always perfect? I don't even know if there's still going to be a person in here when life is all and well. When challenges come and it's harder to praise, the more... That we need to come here and the harder it's prayed, it's the time wherein we are supposed to pray the hardest. Do we truly hear the promises of God? Do we focus on the promise, the good things that God could actually give us? Or do we focus on the promise giver? When the promise does not come, kamusta? Kamusta ta with our promise giver, the Lord? Come to think of it, Caleb said that he was 40 years old when he was sent out as a spy to the promised land. How old was Caleb? 40. Remember how many years they were in the wilderness? 40 years in the wilderness. Imagine, all his life he was in the wilderness. Maybe he was born during the time of the wilderness. 40 years so imagine his life was spent being totally lost, wandering around where to go, doesn't know what the future holds. But when the time came, he was not a person that says, I've been wandering all my life, okay na ko dere. 
I'm just gonna stay here. I'm just gonna, at least we're safe here. At least we're comfortable. God will provide maghapon if ever we'll stay here. But no. He knows the Lord in the wilderness. He knows what he is capable. If he can provide, he can do miracles within their midst. How much more would God move for the promise that he has given to them? Years in the wilderness has strengthened him to claim what the Lord has promised. With God, impossibilities, redirection can be set-ups for victory. C.S. Lewis says, Hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destiny. You might be in a place right now that you feel that it's impossible and you just know that, you know that there's a better version out there but you are stuck where you are right now and you feel like, I am so challenged, don't know what to do. But guess what? It is the best time for you get to get to know who God is. God is a God of comfort. He comforts you, especially in your lowest point. He's a God who would be there to love you. And He longs for us to truly be intimate with Him. He's not a God that just asks a time, a one hour of our Sunday, just for us to, like, quote-unquote, focus on Him. No, He wants to live a life, every single minute of our life, together with Him. Now, going back to Caleb. Caleb was 85 years old. 40 when he was a spy. And they were actually fighting battles left and right in the next 45 years. In fact, they have not yet conquered everything in the promised land even after 45 years. But God said, the promise remains. And this is what God said. God said to Joshua, you need to allot lands to all the tribes. It might not yet been conquered at that point. But, dibs na mo ng mga places. That's yours. It's not yet conquered, but I'm going to conquer it for you. Here comes Caleb, going to General Joshua. Joshua! 45 years later, and I just feel as strong as I was 45 years before. Thinking about it, 40 is not even a young person anymore. I just feel like I'm 30-ish, and I feel like I'm not as strong as I was when I was 20. I can imagine when I get to 40, am I still going to be as strong as I am right now? I hope I get better, right? But the thing is, at 85 years old, fighting wars for 45 years old, being in the wilderness for 40 years before that, he is still as passionate as he was then. In fact, going back to the verses that we read, Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 says, And now, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as He said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am 85 years old. I'm still as strong. My strength is now as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So give me this hill country. He pointed to a place at Hebron wherein the strongest enemies probably are. 
And he says, give me this mountain. I was 40 then. I'm ready to fight the battle. I'm 85 now. I'm still ready for battle. Give me my mountain. Giants and fortified cities does not really matter. Because what is stronger is my God. Give me my mountain. How can Caleb say this at the age of 85? Wholehearted devotion. He had an experience of who God is. He knows who God is. He knows how faithful He is. He knows that every promise will not go unfulfilled in the name of the Lord. He trusts the Lord wholeheartedly when God says a word, He obeys because He knows the love that the Lord has for Him and His people. He wholly followed the Lord. No second guesses. No reservations. No one foot for the Lord. One foot for the word. Depending on the situation. No consequential. No computational decisions needed. Joshua did not go out there. Fought the battle and says now. The enemy is so strong. If you can't beat them, just join them. Lord, dili kaya. Transfer lang ko. Because it's convenient. And I'm gonna be alive if I'm going to choose the world. No. Caleb wholeheartedly devoted his life for the Lord. Did not compare what the rest of the world had. He only compared what his life would be with and without Christ. And he concluded, the one with Christ, even in battle, even in war, is better than safety and convenience apart from who He is. I might go through challenges. Caleb had a wholehearted devotion, wholly following the Lord that gave him a courageous faith. A wholehearted devotion produces a courageous faith. Once we understand and know who God is, how much He loves us, how much He has given the eternal need that we have, our salvation, it ought to follow that we're going to have a courageous faith. A power to move mountains. Or if not to move, to conquer mountains. Miracles. We know this. Throughout the year, we have talked about miracles. That in Christ, there's power to do the impossible. Miracles are possibilities in the eyes of the Lord. They are not just things that God can do. But they are things that God is willing to do for you, for us, through you, through us. God has greater things in store for all of us. We can live, we can lead courageously because of the one who got our backs. Who may you hear of your own personal Christ? Who may you hear truly believes when we say that we can change the campus, change the world, we can actually do it. The changing the world is not an ordinary feat. The world right now is so messed up. But we always say that we can change the campus, we can change the world. It's a vision 
that is seemingly too big for us. If you don't believe, look at the venue that you are in right now. It is just because of a faith of a couple and several missionaries who came here 22 years ago. Not knowing anyone, but preached the gospel to students 22 years later. All because there were people who believed in the impossibilities that God can do in our midst. Now imagine if we all believe, we go out there, 22 years from now, what vision do you see? Do you see us still being in these places? Victory Dumaguete lang? How about Tanhai, Baiz, your hometowns? If we believe and we devote ourselves to the Lord, miracles is a possibility. For the longest time, personally, I have felt that change the campus, change the world, it's impossible. To even just change my classmates, uh, change my workmates, my family, uh, listen, Lord, change the world. It's just crazy. But the common thing for us would be to have the spirits of the ten spies. To say, no, it's great to have all these things that we keep on mentioning, but we can't do it. Maulawan palang ta? I-reject palang ta sa mga tao? Kung ako yung naungi kapakita, preach ko gospel, tapos i-reject ko, di na ko kaya. It's common for all of us to have the spirits of the ten spies. To settle, to look for what's around, what's happening, impossible. We decide on what's easy, what's safe, what would keep us entertained, what could keep us, or kumbaga, ugasa ang lingaw, dito ta. We go to shortcuts and compromises for pleasures that is here and now. But personally, what are God's promises for you? The Bible says to seek Him with all your heart and He will be found. You will hear from Him. What are the giants that you're facing right now? What hinders you from believing? The spirit of Joshua and Caleb is not something that is meant to be carried alone. That's the encouragement. We ought to do it together. The person beside you. Those are the people that you are to carry the calling that we have together with the Holy Spirit. We develop this continuously by coming here, reading our Bibles, communing with God, being intimate with Him, hearing the preaching of the Word, walking together with your peers, growing in the Lord. The spirit that you have right now May it be the spirit of the ten spies or the two spies right there can actually be either nurtured or lost. There might be a season na grabe ka compassionate, but apart from nurturing it, it's easy to lose it. But what spirit you choose to bear today is something that we can or can determine the one of the next generation that follows us. Your faith decision today will influence the generation after you. If you're like me, a parent, looking at your two-year-old child, one-year-old child, men, 
It's the best time for us to invest in the next generation. On our own, it feels like it's good to enjoy life. But when we look at the next generation, I hope that you're not going to be satisfied with what we have right now. I hope that we're going to believe for greater things that God has for us. What is the legacy that you're willing to leave to your next generation? I hope we pass on the right thing. Church, just want to submit this once again. Let's all have the spirit of Caleb to believe for the promises of God. To carry our own crosses and not being afraid to fail. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about the strengths, personal strengths that we have. But what matters is who or to whom our faith is. The call to reach out the campuses and disciple the next generation is not a cry only for the campus missionaries or for the full-time staff. The call for the next generation is our call as a church. That is our identity and a calling. Victory Dumaguete, we are for the next generation. We are for the campuses. We will be as passionate as the young ones. Every decision that we will make, we will make is going to be seen by them and it would shape them. It is our responsibility to the Lord for us to hold up. This is our calling and we will not fail. Allow me to give this quote from Henry Varley. It says here, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to Him by God's help. I aim to be that man. I hope and pray that, imagine lang, all of us is going to say this. By God's help, we are going to be that generation. By God's help, that is going to be us, the church. Just imagine what kind of society that we'll be in. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.